Here we go. West Hills Friends is a Quaker meeting in Portland, Oregon. You can find more information about our community at westhillsfriends.org. As a Quaker community, we encourage everyone to share from their hearts, especially as it pertains to God's leading in their lives. These words are shared into a community that values the opportunity to respond and dialogue about what is said. The responses and dialogue are not included in this recording. The views expressed in this content are solely those of the original contributors. And do not necessarily speak for the entire West Hills Friends community. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful day. We're in special times. So um, while I've never said this before, I feel like I ought to clarify at the outset. Though I've been an elder here, uh, for the past few years, I'm not one now, and I'm speaking today only in the capacity of a friend who feels led to share concerns placed on his heart by, as best as I can tell, the Spirit. As always, it's my prayer that you find God's light in at least some of these words. My first scripture reading today is from Romans 15. The scriptures written long ago were all written for our instruction in order that through the encouragement they give us, we may, may maintain our hope with perseverance. And may God, the source of all perseverance and all encouragement, grant that you may agree with one another after the manner of Christ Jesus. And so with one mind and one voice may praise the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In a word, accept one another as Christ accepted us. To the glory of God. As with everyone else in the meeting and many outside of it, I've, it's been a turbulent nine days for me since receiving the letter of release from the Northwest Yearly Meeting Elders. I've spent as much time as possible just listening, at least to those speaking in places where I can hear them. These have ranged from private conversations to Facebook to blog posts to our gathering in this space on Wednesday evening. To say the least, there is a wide range of feelings and emotions among us. Yet it is my sense that I'm on, still only hearing a narrow slice of the conversations occurring around Northwest Yearly Meeting. I am only, I've only had conversations with a small subset of those who, like me, are feeling pain over this decision. There are many others who do not feel this decision is pain. And I am not now in conversations with them at all. As Quakers, we believe that there is that of God's light in each and every one of us. So my access to that light, held by those who see this decision differently than I do now, is now more remote than it once was. To me, this is one of the greatest tragedies of this decision. The full breadth of the light of God available through a diverse community of faith just got a bit dimmer for everyone involved. Honestly, in my opinion, much of what passed for conversation prior to this decision had too little light and way too much heat. 
A common theme voiced in the broader community I'm connected to is that this decision brought back to life traumas of years past. While I have heard the stories before, it has still been painful to listen to dear friends in this meeting recount the vitriolic personal attacks that they have suffered through and endured from those claiming the mantle of Christianity. It is beyond my capacity to understand how such attacks can be grounded in the love of which the scriptures speak so profusely. In my own life, I have made decisions to separate from churches I had been a part of, and I suspect the same is true for many of you here. For me, despite the richness of the personal relationships we form in a church, a church is fundamentally a place that I attend in order to be brought drawn closer to God, to listen for God's voice in the silence, to hear God's voice through the scriptures and messages, and to be enlightened by that of God and my fellow worshipers. I have left churches before when I felt the voice of God was being drowned to subject themselves to such abuse any longer. I completely understand and support that perspective, and I share it in many ways. At the same time, I also understand the perspective of those with deep history and relationships within Northwest Yearly Meeting, as well as those who find value and light in seeking unity in Christ despite our differences. At times, I have listened to others in Northwest Yearly Meeting and said, these are not my people. But at other times, I have found the light of Christ shining brightly within them. Painful as it was, I felt truly blessed to have been a part of the team meeting with the subgroup of Northwest Yearly Meeting elders over the past two years on this matter. I feel led to reflect back key sentiments in the letter of release. I am grateful for the respect of this subgroup of elders and for Tom, Dave, and Becky Ankeny that, that they have shown us at West Hills Friends and for the friendships that have developed. I respect the sincerity of the convictions of these individuals, and even if it sometimes feels like these are not sheep of my fold, I believe we are listening to the voice of the same one God. Beyond the relationships, I will miss the opportunity for growth in my relationship with God that comes with listening together despite differences. Indeed, I miss it already. So where am I to go when I feel the need to gain fresh perspectives, to gain comfort for my affliction, yet remain humble in my conviction? For me, scripture is always part of the answer. So I've been spending time reading the gospels and letters of the New Testament and paying attention to what rises for me, what speaks to my present condition. Some of you have been doing the same, and many of the conversations that have touched me most deeply are grounded in scripture. So in my remaining time, I would like to simply read some of the passages that have risen most strongly for me this week. Allowing some silence in between for the words to settle in. 
As I've reflected on these passages, their words have variously soothed and encouraged me, challenged me deeply, or provided me with insight regarding how to respond to this loss. I've also tried to challenge myself to listen for how these same words might resonate for someone whose convictions are different than mine. For me, all of these are the ways of our present teacher. First one we know well, 1 Corinthians 13. Selected. I may have the gift of prophecy and the knowledge of every hidden truth. I may have faith enough to move mountains, but if I have no love, I am nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love keeps no score of wrongs, takes no pleasure in the sins of others but delights in the truth. But our knowledge and our prophecy alike are only partial. At present, we see only puzzling reflections in a mirror. And the first verse of 14 is, make love your aim. letter of John, chapter 4. God is love. The one who dwells in love is dwelling in God, and God in the one. In love, there is no room for fear. Indeed, perfect love banishes fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and anyone who is afraid has not attained to love in its perfection. If someone says, I love God, while at the same time hating his fellow Christian, he is a liar. If he does not love a fellow Christian whom he has seen, he is incapable of loving God whom he has not seen. We have this command from Christ. Whoever loves God must love his fellow Christian too. Two passages from the Sermon on the Mount. The first from chapter 5 in Matthew. What I tell you is this. Love your enemies and pray for your persecutors. Only so can you be the children of God. And from chapter 7. Do not judge and you will not be judged. For as you judge others, so you will yourselves be judged. Always treat others as you would like them to treat you.
And now two passages from Romans. First from chapter 12. Let hope keep you joyful. In trouble, stand firm. Persist in prayer. Contribute to the needs of God's people and practice hospitality. Call down blessings upon your persecutors. Blessings, not curses. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. And from Romans 14. You then, why do you pass judgment on your fellow Christians? And you, why do you look down on your fellow Christians? We shall all stand before God's tribunal. Let us then pursue the things that make for peace and build up the common life. Back to the Sermon on the Mount, where in chapter 5 is said, If your right eye causes your downfall, tear it out and fling it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for the whole of it to be thrown into hell. But in 1 Corinthians 12 it says, Christ is like a single body with its many limbs and organs, which many as they are together make up one body. God appointed each limb and organ to its own place in the body. There are many different organs, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I do not need you. Or the head to the feet, I do not need you. God has combined the various parts of the body, giving special honor to the humbler parts, so that there might be no division in the body, but that all its parts might feel the same concern for one another. If one part suffers, all suffer together. If one flourishes, all rejoice together. And our uh, favorite passage is friends from John 15. This is my commandment. Love one another as I have loved you. There is no greater love than this, that someone should lay down his life for his friends. 
You are my friends if you do what I command you, and this is my commandment to you. Love one another. Put on then, sorry, from Colossians 3. Put on then garments that suit God's chosen and beloved people, compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. Be tolerant of one another and forgiving if any of you has cause for complaint. You must forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. Finally, to bind everything together and complete the whole, there must be love. Let Christ's peace be arbiter in your decisions, the peace to which you were called as members of a single body. Always be thankful. Let the gospel of Christ dwell among you in all its richness. Teach and instruct one another with all the wisdom it gives you. Finally, back to the Sermon on the Mount, chapter 5. And this is one that <clears throat> has been very, very important to me for the past several years with regard to this beloved meeting. You are a light for all the world. A town that stands on a hill cannot be hidden. When a lamp is lit, it is not put under the meal tub, but on the light stand, where it gives light to everyone in the house. Like the lamp, you must shed light among your fellows, so that when they see the good you do, they may give praise to God in heaven. <clears throat> 